0: You're listening to Gleanings, the monthly newsletter from Strategies at Work, podcast edition, November 1st, 2018. Upcoming events. The Strategic Life Alignment Seminar. Struggling to find meaning, purpose, and satisfaction in life? The Strategic Life Alignment Seminar will equip you with tools for discerning your divinely ordained life purpose. The seminar began in September, but it is not too late to register. For information or to purchase a recording of this training, please visit StrategiesWork.com. The Strategic Life Alignment Alumni Event. The 2018 alumni event was held this past July. The topic was Your Plan and God's Plan. Recordings of all seven alumni events are available in the Strategies at Work store at StrategiesWork.com. The Seminar, The Power of Being Strategic. Learning a Biblical Approach to Strategic Living Personally and Organizationally. This training will be held on November 1, 2018. For information, please visit strategieswork.com. These are challenging economic times. There is much fear in the world. Now more than ever, people need to understand the power of building their lives on Christ. Only faith in Christ can provide sustained victory over fear. If you need help learning how to walk with Christ... Strategies at Work has consultants in various parts of the world. Please see the website, strategieswork.com, for contact information. And now, Dr. Chester brings us the message titled, Wrestling with the Meta-Narrative.
1: Every morning, approximately 7.7 billion people on planet Earth awake to another day. Some will die through natural causes, suicide, disease, murder, accidents, or war. Others will be born into poverty or privilege or middle-class conditions. Some will live in relative peace and others will endure horrific hardships. And many will go to work or school or, while others still will work at home. This is the pedestrian existence we call life. As far as we know, all life in the universe exists on planet Earth, and the most advanced life forms are humans. Life's daily activities seem mundane, eating, sleeping, playing, and working. All work has three basic functions, get work, do work, and keep score. And all humans are born through the same birth process and have similar lifespans, typically no more than 100 years. Notwithstanding the commonalities, there are many differences. For example, in the workplace, there are organizations with different value propositions, different employees in different jobs. There are differences in schools, homes, families, cultures, ethnic groups, languages, geographical locations, and so on. There are even specific individual differences such as facial features, fingerprints, handwriting, retinal features, and DNA. Some of these distinctions are singular enough to be used for personal identification. And each person has an exclusive combination of personality, aptitudes, life experiences, opportunities, relationships, education, family of origin, date of birth, and date of death. But amidst the commonalities and uniquenesses of life, is there a unifying reality? Or is life just simply random? Atheists contend for randomness and assert that a truly random universe would have no biases. For example, both matter and antimatter are believed to exist but they cannot coexist. Furthermore, since a totally random universe has no biases, this means the universe should not exist. In other words, in whatever way the physical universe came into existence, matter and antimatter should have canceled out each other. But physical reality seems to exist. If this is true, the universe must have a bias toward either matter or antimatter but the atheist worldview has no explanation for this. The reality of a bias in the created order would suggest something transcendent is responsible for this bias. Could this be evidence for a creator? And if so, could this creator be the basis of a unifying reality for all of life? The Christian worldview assumes the existence of a transcendent creator who is the unifier of all reality. Furthermore, he is the sovereign governor of this creation and is executing a meta-narrative, an overarching story of history. In this context, each human is uniquely created to fulfill a role in God's meta-narrative, his great story of history. Given the Bible is the most profound revelation of the Creator, Scripture presents Christ as the central protagonist in the meta-narrative. Furthermore, given a sovereign, intentional, and strategic Creator, there can never truly be anything random. For example, flipping a coin appears random to humans, but scripture reveals that God's view is different. To a sovereign creator, nothing is random. Consider the words of Solomon on this point, out of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. The Christian worldview maintains that the meta-narrative is inclusive and comprehensive of all reality. It is sovereignly controlled and revealed. The story began with creation and will end with recreation. The reason for the recreation is the entrance of sin after creation. The meta-narrative is the divine story of redemption from sin based on Christ as preparation for recreation. According to some estimates, the number of people alive today is about 7% of the people who have ever lived. The Bible specifically mentions approximately 3,200 different people. This represents an infinitesimally small number of the total who have lived up until now. Some make a distinction between the people explicitly mentioned in the Bible and those not mentioned. The former are part of the primary metanarrative and the latter are part of the secondary metanarrative. The primary meta narrative is the unambiguous story of the history of Christ's redemption of mankind. Those in the secondary meta narrative are the supporting cast in the great play of history. For the 99.999997% of humanity that is part of the secondary meta narrative, the challenge is to recognize that the meta narrative is the unifying reality of all time. The Christian worldview maintains The human beings are not free agents doing whatever they wish. Rather, each human is created by God to serve his purpose in his metanarrative. Consider, for example, Pharaoh, the pagan king of Egypt at the time of the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. Scripture reveals God's sovereign purpose in his life. Exodus 9, verse 16 reads, But for this purpose I, that is God who is speaking here, have raised you, Pharaoh, up to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Pharaoh was not an independent agent doing whatever he wished. He was created by God to play a role in God's big story of history. Furthermore, God was so sovereign over Pharaoh that God told Moses he would harden Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's ultimate role was to reveal God's judgment against those who rebel against him. This may not seem fair to us, for how could God judge a person who wasn't free to choose? The Apostle Paul addressed this point in Romans 9, verse 21, in these words, Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? You see, the control of a potter to make a vessel for his choice is comparable to God's sovereign control in creating people to serve his purpose in his meta-narrative. Humans react negatively to this aspect of the nature of God. It violates our sense of fairness and presumption of human autonomy. Paul continued his explanation by noting this. V- Romans 9, verses 22 and 23, he says, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Pharaoh was created by God to be a vessel of destruction, to reveal the riches of God's glory toward the vessels of mercy. This is a very taxing text. God seems heavy-handed, even abusive, but Paul was clear that God does judge and uses his judgment to glorify himself. Christian anthropology recognizes the depravity of mankind, that is mankind's impotency to meet God's ra- righteous standards. Therefore, salvation from the penalty of sin is a gift of God. This truth about the nature of salvation should make the vessels of mercy humble and grateful for the gift of life through Christ. Understanding and embracing God's just, sovereign, intentional, and strategic nature is challenging. God warned us of his incomprehensibility. He said in Isaiah 58, verse 3, that his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. Humans want to assume autonomy over our lives, and we disdain accountability. But this is not reality. God is sovereign over each person. After all, he's created each person, and he chooses how to engage with each of us. This is his sovereign choice, his sovereign pleasure. Notwithstanding this very challenging truth, most of life seems disconnected from any divine interaction, similar to the way that young Samuel experienced life more than 3,000 years ago. In those days, it was said that the word of the Lord was rare and certainly that's the way we feel today that the word of the lord is rare today samuel's experience was the same as ours today life seemed mundane and divine engagement far off there was little sense of a divine meta narrative and few considered their lives in the context of the meta narrative but god spoke to samuel and intervened in his life so also god speaks today as with Samuel, we need to learn how to discern when the Lord is speaking and recognize divine intervention. And we need to recognize that there is a divine meta-narrative that unifies all reality, and each person has a role to play in this great story of history. Consequently, we need to submit to the sovereign creator of the universe. To do this, we must be humble, submitted, and teachable servants of God. When Samuel realized that God was real and engaged with his creation, he became humble, submitted, and teachable. This was evidenced by his recognition of the voice of God and his response as a servant. 1 Samuel 3 verse 10 shares how Samuel responded to the voice of the Lord once he understood the Lord was talking to him. Samuel said, speak, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. As we wrestle to see our lives in the context of the divine metanarrative, we must assume Samuel's attitude. May the Lord give us the grace to hear his voice and the humility to submit to our respective roles in his metanarrative.